problems that you want the counselor to solve. And uh, you think that when you go that they're going to give you the answer, but instead they have a bunch of questions for you. Uh, because they want to help understand what the issues are that you're going through and they want you to they want to help you understand what those issues are and how you might be able to address them answer them yourselves now i know this because my wife is a counselor and uh she is very patient with those who come to her and she she's a great listener now if you come to me for counseling you know, I'm going to just try to fix your problem right there on the spot. I'm not very patient, but my wife is incredibly patient. Uh, and I know that because she's been married to me for 32 years. Amen? But, uh, it's 30, what's that? 34 years! Well, it's just, it's just felt like 32, dear. <laughs> I'm in trouble when I get home. So this morning we're going to be looking at the, the first question, and uh, the disciples were in a storm. And Jesus asked the question, why are you so afraid? Next week we'll be uh, looking at um, health issues, um, problems in your life. And Jesus asked the question, uh, do you believe I can do this? And then... The third week, we're going to be looking at uh, ongoing challenges in our in our life. And uh, Jesus asked the question to, to one. He said, do you want to be well? And then the last, an individual struggled with spiritual doubts. And the question to him was, why do you doubt? So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Mark chapter 4 this morning. And we're going to be looking at verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples and Jesus are on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. And uh, you could be, it could be a, a calm, beautiful day with no clouds in the sky. And then out of nowhere, there could be a system, a low-pressure system come in, and the weather changed dramatically just like that. Um, I've experienced this several times uh, fishing uh, lakes in the eastern Sierra. 
uh, you know, we'll be fishing kind of in a, in a, 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 a low spot. You have huge high mountains surrounding the lake. It could be a wonderful, beautiful, calm day. And then about, about mid-afternoon, not mid-afternoon, about noon, you'll see a, a, a puffy white cloud kind of pass over the lake. And then all of a sudden, there could be, there can be this front that just comes over the mountaintops that you haven't been able to see on the horizon because the, the, the mountains have been blocking your horizon. And all of a sudden, there's this dark, ominous cloud. And you begin to hear thunder. And you see lightning. And it begins to blow. And you can become fearful. Now, these disciples, they were fishermen. It's, it's the nighttime. Okay? It was in the evening when they crossed to the other side of the, the lake. And, uh, and uh, you know, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Now, had they had a weather app on their smartphone... They would have seen the system that was about to come through and they would have told Jesus, Jesus, uh, no, this isn't a good idea. We better wait until morning. But they didn't have that app. But Jesus knew what was on the horizon. Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm that evening and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they experienced that storm. And here they are, fishermen. And, you know, fishermen are used to storms, but uh, this is a storm where they fear for their life. Like I said, I've experienced those. I've experienced those with Susan before. And when Susan sees those storms, when she starts seeing lightning strike the lake, you know, I mean, she is freaking out. And there was this one time we were at uh, twin, the lower Twin Lakes up, up above uh, Bishop. And beautiful day. And all of a sudden, this storm came in. And said, Bill, we got to go. Bill, we got to go. And I said, okay, okay, we'll pick up. Didn't want to go, but uh, picked up. And uh, at that time, I had a really lousy boat motor. And um, this, I was in the, the, the second of a uh, three bad seasons with this boat motor. And... Hindsight, I realized why this motor was having the problems that it did, because I didn't put any oil in this motor. <laughs> See, I, this was a this was a motor that I had acquired from my father-in-law, and I thought he told me that this was a four-stroke. Okay, and with a four-stroke, yeah, you put oil in the engine, but you don't have to put oil in the gas tank. That's what you have to do with two strokes. Well, here I was at the end of uh, this second season, and this motor started to cut out on me. And it was a, it was a motor that was then really hard to start. And if you've ever started a lawnmower, you know what I'm talking about. That's the kind of motor I have on the back of my boat. And uh, you know this this motor was really hard to start. And sometimes you had to pull twenty five. 30 times before it would finally start. And when it started, you got to gun it really fast. And then when you gunned it really fast, you would fall back in the boat. But that's where we were with this motor. And here's this storm on top of us. There's lightning about 200 yards away from us. 
Susan is freaking out. And I said, well, sweetheart, start rowing. You know, we're not very... We're not very far from the shore, and yet the, 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 the wind is taking us further out into the lake, and so she starts rowing, and I'm trying, I'm yanking on this boat motor, and as I'm yanking, I'm, I'm seeing the same scenery over and over and over again, and the reason why is she's only rowing on one side of the boat, and so we're just going in circles. You can imagine, uh, this scenario. <laughs> but so I understand what the disciples are, are going through in, in this passage of scripture. But you know, the disciples are not there, not by mistake. Jesus knew what was up that evening. And there's some things that he wanted to teach the disciples. There's some things that he wants to teach you and me in this passage of scripture two things i want you to remember when you're in the middle of the storm that jesus wants us to remember number one is this that you're in the storm with his presence are you in a storm this morning something that's absolutely beyond your control You're here in the service this morning because Jesus wants to remind you that he is in your presence in the midst of the storm. Look at verses 37 and 38. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. How many times do we question God? When we're in the middle of the storm. The disciples question Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? We are perishing. And don't we have the same question for God when we're in the storm? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you love me? Don't you care what I'm going through? Or maybe we're thinking to him, is there something I did to make him angry? You know, sometimes we have storms because of dumb decisions that we've made. And those storms are are self-made. But there are other times where we've been in the center of God's will. But we are just totally confused and don't understand why we find ourselves in the middle of a storm. One of the reasons why we're in the middle of a storm, friends... It's because we live in a fallen world. And we can experience all the consequences of sin that everybody else experiences. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Good and bad happen to all people but the important thing that we need to understand if we're children of god if we have a relationship with christ that jesus is in our boat with us and knowing jesus walking jesus doesn't mean that 
our boat isn't going to be rocked. It is going to be rocked. But our boat will never sink. It will never sink because Jesus is in our boat. He's with you in the storm. And we looked at this last week in John chapter 14. Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus was going to be gone for a brief period of time, for three days. He was going to come back. And then as scripture shows us, after 40 days, he ascended to be with the Father. I'm going to be gone from you guys. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. John chapter 14, verse 18. I am always going to be with you. So I just want to encourage you this morning. If you find yourself in the presence of the storm, don't let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He is always there. He hasn't stopped loving you. He hasn't turned his back on you. His presence is there. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You can't know that God is your refuge and strength unless you are in a time of trouble. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are his promises. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So why is this passage in the Bible? It's in the Bible is because we all go through storms. And Jesus wants us to know that his presence is with us just as he was with the disciples. But not only do we need to remember that, but the second thing we need to remember is that in the storm, you're you're in the storm for his purposes. God has a purpose for the storm. Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. There was a man on the eastern shore that was hurting that they needed to get to that night. This trip was Jesus' idea. It wasn't the disciples' idea. It was Jesus' idea. And Jesus had a plan with the storm. Like I said earlier, Jesus knew what was up. And so as they're in this storm, it's not because the disciples are out of the will of God. Again, this wasn't a foolish decision on the disciples' part. They were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. And the storm came when they were in the center of God's will. Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, well, did Jesus cause the storm? And my answer to that is, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Sometimes Jesus causes the storm. And sometimes Jesus allows the storm. You know, a few weeks ago, one of the great comeback stories, we were looking at Peter's life. 
And Satan was asking permission to sift Peter like wheat. And God allowed it in Peter's life. But then there's other occasions where God causes the storm. So I don't know in this passage of scripture if God caused it or God allowed it. But there's, you can take this to the bank. Whatever the storm we're going to go through, God is going to use it in our life. Jesus had a purpose with this storm. And in this purpose, Jesus was hoping that the disciples would know exactly who Jesus is. That they, they've seen Jesus already do some amazing things. Now, it's early in Mark, okay? But they've witnessed Jesus raise somebody from the dead. They've witnessed Jesus heal someone with leprosy. If you have a, a harmony of the Gospels, a, a little tool uh, in your Bible, um, you can go back and look at the the events that have occurred in the in the Gospels up through Mark chapter four, and so they know a lot about Jesus already. And Jesus wants them to know just how powerful He is and what He can do. Do you fear today? My question to you is, what has Jesus done in your past? How has Jesus been faithful in your past? And just as faithful as Jesus has been in your past, he's going to be faithful in your present and your future. And the purpose of this storm was Jesus wanted wanted to know what the disciples knew, what they believed about him. You know a lot about Jesus. You know what God has spared you from or brought you through. And that gives us courage and strength of God's character and nature and presence to for us to go through the current storm. Uh, yesterday, Susan and I uh, hiked Fossil Falls. We hadn't we hadn't done that. Uh, we've never been in any shape to hike uh, Fossil Falls. But uh, yesterday, we had the energy and we wanted to experience this. And and uh, as we were hiking the the falls, we were trying to find a place where we get down into to the bottom. And uh, we kept detouring and seeing if this was an easy space, place to walk down. Finally, we had to walk all the way down to the end. But, uh, but before we got there, there was this one spot. And uh, I saw this little thing that had been hammered into the rock. And when you look over the ledge, I mean, it's, it's probably 300 feet down, three, 400 feet down, I would suppose. And uh, but there was this little metal thing hammered at the at the top of the rock, the ledge, and it was obviously uh, something that rock climbers use. I think we have a picture of that. Um, uh, it's 
right there. That, this is some, that's what I saw. It was hammered into the rock. It's called a piton that uh, rock climbers use. And uh, it's, it's to uh, secure you to the rock, keep you from uh, experiencing an early demise, okay? And so as you, as you hook on to that piton, that's going to secure you to the face of the rock as you uh, try to uh, climb up it or, or uh, descend. How many are rock climbers in this room? Okay, a couple. So you know what that is, okay? Well, uh, there's another... Uh, type of piton. These pitons uh, look very different from each other. This is another piton. And you use this piton when you're on the face of the cliff or the rock. And uh, if you come across a crevice that you can hammer this uh, piton into, that will continue to secure you to the rock as you continue to climb up it. There are pitons, my friend, in all of our life. And those pitons are the faithfulness of God and what he's done in us as, as we've journeyed with him. And when God has brought you through something, when God has shown his faithfulness, his ever-abiding presence, when he's brought you through a storm and you know it was a God thing. You know what you need to do as a Christian? You need to take that piton and you need to nail it into your life. You need to, you just, you just need to, to get it into your brain. Remember what God has done in your life. Because there's going to be more storms. And as you're clinging to Jesus and his promises, his, his, his covenant, who he is and what he said, said, those storms, they may rock you, but they're not going to, sh- they're not going to sink you. Because you know who God is. And Jesus was taking these disciples through this storm so that they might know just how powerful he is. He has, he has the ability to raise people from the dead. The disciples have witnessed it. But they didn't take that piton and nail it. They were in a storm. And they were fearful. And in their mind they thought, Jesus doesn't care. They didn't know that Jesus could calm the storm. You know, and God has to take us through storms so that we can learn a little bit more of who he is. And we can learn a lot about who he is when we read his word, when we know his word, and when the storm co- comes, we're not going to sink because we believe his promises. We've got those we've got those pitons nailed to the cleft of the rock. We know that Jesus is with us in the middle of the storm. This week in your life groups, 
you're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants to grow us in the storm, through the storm. And in those storms, you know, it's not our first nature. I mean, it's not, it's not our default mode. You know, we, when we experience a storm, you know, we don't begin to count it all joy. But we can count it all joy because we know God is using this, this in our life. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to find a life group. One of the best things going for our church right now is that our life groups are sermon-based. You know, Not only are you going to hear this sermon this morning, but you're going to be able to get around other people this week and talk about the issue of fear and talk about James chapter 1, talk about how it applies to your life. You'd be able to encourage others uh, who are going through storms. Uh, if you're not in a life... if if you're going through a storm, you need other people in your life who can encourage you through that difficult time. If you've got family, great. But for most of us here in this room, we don't have extended family. You know, Our family is the church. Well, that's where that life group comes into play. Because that life group needs to be your spiritual family where you can be there for them and they can be there for others. But just know this, God has a purpose for every storm. And there's some things that we can't learn about Jesus unless we go through the storm. The disciples had to go through the storm. And in the storm, Jesus calmed the storm. And they realized that Jesus had authority even over nature. Do you know Jesus to be that in your life? Jesus wants to be the anchor in your storm. Jesus wants to be the solid rock and we learn those things about Jesus in the storm. And as we trust our piton, as we hang in there, and we are people of faith, we learn so much more about Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 4, verses 39 through 41. <clears throat> Disciples said, teacher, we are going to drown. And he got up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind 
and the waves obey him. For the disciples, the fear of the storm was replaced by the fear of the Lord. Who is this that he even has command over the elements, over nature? If you're going through a storm this morning, Jesus wants to be the anchor of your soul. You know where we get that that phrase, the anchor of your soul? Hebrews chapter 6. I don't have this in your outline. This is all free this morning as we are about to conclude our service, okay? Hebrews chapter 6. Let me read verses 19 and 20. The author of Hebrews says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know what the context of this, um, of this, these two verses is? The context of this is spiritual maturity in the midst of long-suffering. And the author is talking about Abraham. And the incident I first referred to in Genesis chapter 15 this morning. Now, if you're in the venue this morning, I'm sorry you did not hear that devotion this morning. But it's in Genesis chapter 15 where Abraham was afraid. Because here he is in his 80s now. And he still doesn't have a son, let alone a daughter. How in the world can he be the father of a great nation? And God says, look at the stars. And just as you can't number the stars, so will your descendants be. God promised, Abraham believed, and was counted to him as righteousness. But then Abraham said, but God, how are you going to do this? He still doubted. So not only did God have to promise, the Bible says that God made an oath, a covenant, through a sacrifice that only God completed. Only God signs it's as if God was saying, so help me, me, Abraham. I am going to do this. And Abraham continued to wait patiently, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6. That word for wait patiently is the word long-suffering. Abraham had to continue to weather the storm. Here Abraham is 99 years old. 
And he still doesn't have the son of promise. And God, God says, I'm going to do this this time next year. This time next year, you're going to have a son. And Abraham believed. Why did Abraham believe? Because he had those pitons nailed to the side of the cliff. He knew who God was in his life. And even though he had waited all this time, God promised. And God made that sacrifice by himself. And you're here this morning and you're going through a storm. God's word has promised things to you. God promises to be in your boat. God has a purpose for your storm. God wants to show you more of who he wants to be in your life. Don't be afraid. He wants to be that anchor, that solid rock, the anchor of your soul. As we conclude this service, we're going to sing uh, the song Cornerstone. I want to read some of those words to you this morning because um, when I when I called Carolyn, she puts the song service together for the uh, the video venue. I asked Carolyn, Carolyn, can, would it be okay um, if uh, if the venue closed with the the song Cornerstone? She said, Well, we're not familiar with that 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 song Cornerstone, but I've looked at the words, Pastor. And those words are in the song, The Solid Rock. It's the same song. It's just a different tune. But you know where that, 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 that song, Solid Rock, comes from? Hebrews chapter 6. Let me just read these, these words. My hope is built on nothing less in Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Second stanza. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Now, thir- the third verse, this is where the cornerstone contemporary version falls short. But this is the third verse of the hymn. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around me, my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Let me read verses 19 and 20 of Hebrews chapter 6 again. We have this as our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How can Jesus be the anchor of my soul in the midst of the storm? Because Jesus went behind the curtain and he became the ultimate sacrifice for our sinfulness. There wasn't anything more Jesus could do to show us how much he loves you, how much he loves me. You are in a storm this morning. There's nothing more Jesus can do to show you how much he loves you. He became that final and perfect sacrifice. He gave all of himself. And then he ascended to be at the Father's side. And he is our great high priest interceding, praying for us that our faith will not fail. He is our Melchizedek forever. And that's what verse him stanza number three talks about. Not only does Jesus promise these, these things, but he has covenanted with us through his very own life. And then the last verse of the song that's in the contemporary version. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. So just as Jesus asked the disciples after he calmed the storm, the question is posed to you. Why are you so afraid? Remember those pitons. Remember all I have done for you. And if we're in this word, and when we're in a community of other believers studying his word, folks, the storms are going to come. And Jesus wants to be the anchor of your soul. And the community and his word helps you to weather the storm well. Let's pray. Are you afraid this morning? His presence is here. His presence is with you. If you're a child of God, if if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's where it begins. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. There's no nothing more he can do to show his love to you. The word says, believe. Admit that you're wrong. Tell him you believe that he died for your sin, that he rose from the grave. 
ask him to forgive you. He will. He does. And he'll be in your boat. And I promise, friend, your boat is not going to sink. Oh, it might rock. It's definitely going to rock. But it's not going to sink. And there's a purpose for every trial you go through. Because he wants to show you just how big he is. That message for the, is for the lost. That message is for the saved. Give him your storm. Right where you are right now, give him your storm. Tell him, thank you, Jesus, for being in my boat. Ask him to help you pass this test. To give you a different attitude. To deep down count it all joy. Because he's taking you higher in your relationship with him. Jesus, you are our cornerstone. You are our solid rock. You are that anchor in our soul. God, help us to remember who you are and want to be. In Jesus' name, would you please stand with me as we sing? If you need someone to pray with you this morning, there's elders in the dining hall this morning that would love to pray with you. We want, we want to pray with you as we sing.